Okay, mamas, ladies. After having three babies, I never thought I would wear an underwire bra again until I found Skims. So right before I had Bear, Skims sent me a couple of maternity bras. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wear maternity bras. They're so uncomfortable. They're not for me. I tried them on. They are the most supportive, most amazing, only maternity bra I have worn this entire pregnancy. On top of that, the material is so soft and the straps are adjustable for maximum comfort. And it fits every woman out there. They have a million sizes to choose from. My favorite Skims bra ever is the, quote, fits everybody t-shirt bra. And it's literally the best t-shirt bra I have ever worn. It's seamless, flawless, perfect. You're going to love it. If you're a fan of no underwire, the products I would highly recommend are the wireless form t-shirt bra and the no-show unlined demi bra. I like the color sand because you can't see it through white t-shirts, which is the color I usually go with, but they have a color for everybody. Whether you're pregnant, postpartum, nursing, or none of the above, and you just want a good bra, go to Skims. They've got one for everyone. Shop Skims bras at skims.com. Now available in 62 sizes, 30A all the way to 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select couple things in the drop down menu that follows skims.com what's up everybody welcome back to couple things with sean and andrew podcast all about couples and the things they go through i uh, don't mind this awkward situation i just don't know how to sit comfortably anymore what's the awkward situation i don't know i feel like i'm just i feel like you always sit weird of everybody i know <laughs> you sit the weirdest i can never reach the ground so i gotta put my feet somewhere you're always like one leg up on the countertop the other leg down on the floor yeah. you're leaning over all right, we've done several interviews this past week with people asking us about our perspective on youth sports. And so we wanted to actually just do an episode here on this show. Yes. Sharing all of our thoughts. Yes. Um, and kind of unpack that issue because I feel like we're a couple years away from having to confront this head on <laughs> yes. ourselves with our kids. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of people interested in the athletic journey of our kids. Yes. And we have a bit of experience in this realm as well. So for those that don't know, Sean was a youth herself at one point. <laughs> That's a way to put it. Uh, I was a child. You started gymnastics when you were... So my sports journey to summarize before we get into like our opinions on a lot of things. Um... My parents put me in gymnastics when I was, I think, like, two. Uh, it depends on the gym you go to, but there's, like, mommy and me classes that you can put kids into. Mm -hmm. um, so, fun fact, the very first sport I was ever put into was ballet. Uh, my parents put me in it because I was a wild kid at home, and I had all this extra energy, and they wanted an outlet for me to go socialize and um, get energy out. I did not know that. Yes. So the very first thing that I did was ballet. Um, the teacher kept complaining to my parents that I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't stand in line. And I was just doing like somersaults and cartwheels everywhere. And that sounds like. Our son. That's right. <laughs> yes. Um, I was like, what are you trying to say here? So then. <clears throat> so then my parents pulled me out of ballet and they found a mommy and me class at gymnastics that I could do. 
I went into the gymnastics class. I found the trampoline. I fell in love. I came home tired. And my parents were very happy. Um, Fast forward, I did so many other sports. I ran track. I swam. I played soccer. I did softball. I danced. Did gymnastics. Did the flag football team. Um, Yeah, I think that was about it. So it was a pretty well-rounded involvement in many different sports. I did a lot of sports, yes. I also, outside of that, did like violin and oboe. and Yes, I chose the oboe. And your parents didn't really come from that background, which is interesting. They just kind of saw that in you and said... My parents um, both kind of came from rougher upbringings. And I think their mission in in raising me was to give me as much opportunity as possible, but to also keep me busy. And their kind of um, philosophy was like, you just can't come home and watch TV and do nothing. So we got to find something. And I was free to like quit things as long as it was for the right reason. I just had to always be doing something. What about you? So my background, my... My parents were both athletes. They were actually high school sweethearts. My mom was the cheerleader. My dad was a football player. And my dad started athletics in our family himself. My grandpa was like very much an academic. He was a professor, went to Stanford, like took that very seriously and saw athletics as a distraction. I should also add, my parents were both athletes. So this was second nature. But like extreme sports. Your dad did like motorcycles my and dad ATVs. My but... did motocross. He was a hockey player. He wrestled. Hockey and wrestling were like his biggest things. My mom um, did cross country and she did gymnastics. Oh, I did not know that either. Here we are learning about each other. Huh? How about it? Okay, keep going. Sorry. Uh, So, but my dad was a like physically fit guy. He was six foot four, two hundred forty pounds, and played college football at Purdue, where my mom was also a cheerleader there. And then after that, he started. uh, He actually started Team Clydesdale. For those of you that do endurance sports, um, you'll know that if you weigh over two hundred pounds, there's like a whole different division that you can enroll in called the Clydesdale division my dad started team Clydesdale which is dope founded that so he did a full Ironman like always was involved in athletics so us as kids we were surrounded by this watching my dad train also it was just something that we were interested in we would go to like the Indianapolis Colts football practices Mm -hmm. and it was all like it was a lot centered around sports but not in an not in an obsessive way it was more like a passion way it wasn't like hey my dad's taking us to the Colts practice and we have to be there. It was like, no, we, our idols were football players. Um, my oldest brother ended up being a professional cyclist. My second oldest brother played college football at Wheaton College. And um, I played at Vanderbilt. Anyway, growing up, we all did a bunch of different sports. So we were doing swimming. We did cycling. We were like doing, we would just enroll in kind of tournaments. Um, we did football, baseball, basketball. Your sister did softball. Softball, rugby. So, the the process that I feel like my parents took was let's just get them involved in a smorgasbord of activities. Yes. See what sticks. Yep. And then slowly do more of that. Not like all in, all at once. Not like, hey, he's really good at this, so we're going to force him to do this. It was Same. trying to find the thing that we were good at. Mm-hmm. And for trying to find a thing that we love doing, mm-hmm. 
and then slowly continuing to increase the amount of time we experimented with that. It's like a treasure hunt. Yes. Same with me. And that's exactly what my parents were doing. They were always trying to like find the thing that I was in love with. And <clears throat> I did the same thing of like the smorgasbord where I was like trying all of these different things. And I would be really busy and I would love it. I would love going from practice to practice and I would love going from violin to <clears throat> debate to track and then gymnastics and all these things. I loved it. I, I thrived mm -hmm. the busier that I was. Mm -hmm. And the way the process always worked for us was with every season of a sport that you like graduate through, the time commitment becomes larger. Yes. And... We had a rule in our family. We never did any practice on Sunday. Um, we always had that as like home time. We could do a small practice on Saturday, but 99% of the time we would always spend after 12 o'clock at home as a family. And then nothing could conflict with school. So those were kind of like our boundaries in our household. Um, but with the time commitments, every time something would start interfering with each other. So like if track practice interfered with soccer, my parents would be like, okay, you have to choose. It's like time to choose which one you like better. And it ended up dance, track, and gymnastics were my three favorites. I loved track. <laughs> loved it. I don't know why. I was not good at it. Um, but I loved it. I loved dance and I loved gymnastics. But when those started merging... I think the first thing to go was, I think it was dance. I think track and gymnastics were the last men standing. And then... Foreshadow, Sean ended up getting back into dance later on in life. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> gymnastics was the last man standing. But... Um, I love that. Let's... So now that we have a little insight into our... Yeah. Into our experience uh, as youth sports... Let me just fast forward. Sean ended up winning an Olympic gold medal. For those that don't know who we are, Sean was uh, an Olympic gymnast. I ended up playing. In the NFL. Yes. So I just feel like we have an interesting perspective on this. But yeah. let's zoom out and share some stats on this yep. just to kind of get an understanding of where society lies today with this. So according to a study by the CDC, 54.1% of children aged 6 to 17 years participated in sports during the past year. The higher the level of parents' education, the more likely children and adolescents were to participate in sports. That's an interesting, interesting stat. And as family income increased, the more likely children and adolescents were to participate in sports. That I understand, but also makes me really sad because... Well, and we talked about some problems related to that later yeah. on. Yeah. You want to hit the next one? Um, youth sports is a $30 billion industry. Remember that when we talk about this later. <laughs> Man, I'm so passionate about this. This is going to be really hard for someone to edit because we're going to talk for four hours. Also, most kids stop playing sports by the age of 11 because, quote, it's not fun anymore. That's Those two stats were from the Sports Business Journal, just to cite sources. Um, <clears throat> so according to Dion Kohler, there are two main problems with youth sports, um, and Diane is an expert on youth and amateur sports. She says that the first problem is exclusion and barriers to entry because youth sports are expensive and hard to access for lots of kids. Amen. If you think about traveling and if you have both parents working jobs and 
maybe they cost you know a couple hundred bucks to be on the team. There's a lot of barriers there. Oh the second gosh. problem is that this for, one. for those who do play U sports, the problem is professionalization of sports. It's often a win at all cost and profit at all cost mentality, which makes it not fun. First of all, the average family pays $883 annually for one child's Dang. primary sport. Okay, so just just to put a dollar figure on that first barrier to entry, which is the uh, expensiveness and access. I mean, we've already experienced this. Our kids have done two-year-old soccer. And it costs? A couple hundred dollars. Right. Which for, is wild. For two-year-old soccer and Jet paid attention to the coach for you know maybe five minutes the whole year okay continue sean i got a question for you okay what is it on a scale from chug to sip <laughs> how would you rate your hydration style um interesting question i would say i'm a sip girl i sip on my coffee for literally hours and sip on water throughout the day what about you i would say i'm a chug type of guy yeah. no doubt but whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. I actually really love liquid IV, especially since nursing bear. I feel like I'm always thirsty. I like that it's sugar-free and it's fun to sip on throughout the day. The flavors are really good, and I've loved having a flavored drink rather than just water in my cup. My favorite flavor is the lemon-lime, and Sean loves strawberry and tropical punch. It's crazy to me that one stick in 16 ounces of water has three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks and eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Yes, sir. That's why they say it hydrates better than water alone. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code EASFAM at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today. Using promo code EastFam at liquidiv.com. You know, whenever I look at pictures of our kids from the past year, I'm amazed at how fast they're growing up. Oh my gosh, me too. And we've been doing a deep dive into old photos lately. Sometimes the thought hits me hard that I'm getting older too. And this has led me to think a lot about the legacy I want to leave behind, what kind of parent I want to be, and things like our family's financial security. We've been talking a lot about this recently and are excited to share that Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to get the protection that's right for your family. Life insurance doesn't have to be some big confusing topic. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. 10 minutes is crazy fast. Plus it's all online and on your schedule. No appointments, scheduling, or piles of paperwork. Just apply when it's convenient for you. This is the first company I've heard of where you can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required, and they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash eastfam. That's meetfabric.com slash eastfam. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash eastfam. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. We'll also link it down below, and let's get back to it. We're going to reflect on these statements real quick. The billion dollar, $30 billion industry, professionalization. So, going to put an asterisk. If you don't agree with our opinions, totally fine. Totally fine. But I also want to give an asterisk and say... Andrew and I have experienced a lot, and we have seen a lot. 
We have worked with children. We have coached. We have been at the highest level. And I think there are some massive trends that lend themselves towards success or to- towards massive failure. And to clarify, we are both pro sports. Absolutely. Or kids. We will likely get our kids involved in sports should they show an interest. I think sports contributed so much to forming me who I am. Same. However, there is a flip side. And so if you have kids in sports, that's great. We're pumped for you. But I think it's always important to be thoughtful with how you're doing something because how you do something really does affect um, the outcome. It's not just what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. Okay. Now. Yes. Can I jump on a pedestal? Please. Okay. To all the parents out there, I want you to listen very carefully. I would say... 75 percent i'm throwing out a it's not a statistic this is just a guesstimate 75 percent of recreational sports programs out there so under the age of 16 pretty much is what i would consider a recreational sport unless you're representing the united states on like a professional team it is recreational 75 percent of the programs out there are ripping you off they are literally all they want is your money And I have experienced this firsthand with countless friends and acquaintances of ours who will call me and say, what is the best gymnastics gym to send my kid to at the age of five? I'm paying thousands of dollars a year for private lessons and to get to the next level. I am being told if I go down this pathway with my child, they will succeed and go to the major leagues. I am told if I do X, Y, and Z, my kid will succeed. It is all a load of BS. That, that's not how it works. How does it work? A kid needs to fall in love with a sport, needs to be self-driven to continue learning. Not do well, but continue learning. And they need to be surrounded by a community that supports their passion. Everything else is luck. Now, I'm not saying that (laughs) you don't need a good coach. You do. But you don't need a good coach at the age of five. You need foundational basics. You need to be a kid. You need to have fun. You need to play. You need to learn that sport is playing. And if you professionalize it too early, if you try to put them on a path to succeed too early, they will quit they will fail and they will be completely dejected from the sport like for the rest of their life. Let's take gymnastics as the extreme example for <clears throat> the early side of being a professional in mm-hmm. that sport. So you were 16 when you went to the Olympics. Yes. Um, at the age of five, parents in that sport, it seems, are already stressed out about what trajectory their kid is going. But still, if, you're a, if your child's five and Olympics are at 16, you still have 11 years. That is a lot of time and a lot of gymnastic practice practices that you have to get through as a child before you reach that point. What I'm trying to say is it's a long game, mm-hmm. even if you're turning pro at 16. So you don't want to ruin it by trying <laughs> to trying to just front load all of this pressure to say, hey, you're going to be an Olympian. That's our goal. Dude, there's so many steps that you need to cross, so many milestones that you need to pass before you get to that point, don't spoil it. Don't spoil Oh, my gosh. And also, gymnastics, if I could just go on a tangent here, 
is I, I I never really saw this in football because it's just a different demographic and it's it, it's different because there is a lot of feedback that you get along the process. You know, you have to go play middle school and then maybe you make the freshman team at high school and then you JV team varsity, then you'll get recruited by a D one, two or three program. And then maybe you get scouted and you kind of have an idea of where your talents lie. Mm -hmm. Gymnastics is unique in, in a lot of different ways. Obviously there's levels in gymnastics, but one thing that was so jarring for me to see from an outsider's perspective is the fact that you'll have a young gymnast, let's say they're eight years old, who maybe has some talent. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. That's a very exciting place to be. But that that gymnast also has three or four siblings, and the parents uproot the entire family and move across the country so that that one child can be coached by someone who ha a coach who has had Olympians in the past. That is so unhealthy on so many different levels. One, think about the siblings of that gymnast. Mm -hmm. And wow they probably feel like a secondary like a second class citizen of that family two that's a lot of pressure on on that one talented gymnast if you look at if you look at sport at the elite level a lot of it is psychological and mental yeah and you have to be in this really pure space mentally that you can focus on that thing and that thing alone and when you add dynamics of Hey, you know, my parents moved across. They're they're banking on me. My siblings are banking on me. That adds a lot of complications to that psychology that I think ultimately will undermine mm -hmm. the success that you're trying to force. So that's it's a long game. Well, and let's just throw this out there. We're not making the argument that if you put a kid into ice hockey, whatever whatever sport it is, at the age of three, and you put them with the best coach in the world, and you just beat it at horse, you know, for years and years and years and years, like the 10,000 hours law. That, like, I'm not saying that doesn't work, but you might be stripping a child of the joy of being a child if you do that. Mm. And... I have had, you know, the opportunity, pleasure of working with thousands of children over the years. And I have been able to witness firsthand and I've gotten to coach these kids. I've gotten to witness firsthand the difference between a kid who is naturally talented and either burns out or doesn't like it. And a kid who is not naturally talented at their sport, but loves it so much that they end up being the ones who succeed. And the only way to foster passion is to give space for it, not like force it. To drown <laughs> it in, to drown the person in that thing. Yeah. So my perspective is that you should keep the main thing the main thing. And in youth sports, the main thing should be the lessons that can be taught through sports. And I think sports are so beautiful because they are a very unique delivery system, a very unique vehicle through which to deliver things like self-discipline, yeah. mental toughness, teamwork, uh, working through failure, 
goal setting, resilience, um, commitment, a lot of these beautiful things. That should be the primary focus, not the performance side of things, no. not not the fact that you could get a Division One scholarship or you could go professional. And it's like, honestly, this is a big responsibility for parents, and it can be a very gray line. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I feel like having a strong marriage with open communication is important so that you can you can have a feedback loop with each other talking about are we doing this in a healthy way. I think it's important to have a close community of friends who are also in a similar stage of life that have kids there and can say, hey, Andrew, you seem to be putting a lot of pressure on you're you're mm-hmm. you're a little too excited with with how your son is is involved in this sport right now. If I mean, only I could say this to I I need I need to grow the nads to say this to some people. Say what? Say it. You're putting way too much pressure on your child and you're go- they're going to quit their sport. I would put money on it in the next year or two if you don't let up. Okay. It hold on. The, Cause the gray line is for me instilling qualities like commitment and self discipline and keeping that the main thing while not forcing it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Sean and I's perspective is not this, you know, frou frou no. participation award. Hey, you're doing a great job and you could quit and start whenever. Cause that, no. that also does not teach the beauty that sports can it is hey let's sit down with our five-year-old and say drew there's a six-week program for ballet do you want to try ballet for a little bit yeah if she says yes and you talk about it it's like that is a form of commitment Mm -hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna go and we're not gonna force her to do the spins and do the dances this is what we did with jet like he was not paying attention to practice but we would go to practice he would run around the playground (laughs) but it's like he doesn't do yeah, he's so, too, obviously, but like, yeah. it's keeping the commitment and not saying, "Hey, you didn't do anything at soccer practice today. Why can't you get this straight?" And debriefing in the car like that, it's okay. Hey, let's uh, evaluate next time the soccer uh, becomes a possibility. Do we actually want to do that or not? You know? Yes, but there's so, oh my gosh, there's so many fine lines here. So I've been doing a lot of reading around. Um, Childhood development, behavioral science. I follow a lot of like child psychologists who have been a very common thread that people have been talking about lately. I'm about to enroll in my first psychology I'm class so proud for my of PhD you. in psychology today. I'm excited for you. Anyway, carry on. Can you study children? I do want to look into sports. That'd be my, oh, sports. Okay. Um, but a very common theme and trend right now that people are studying and proving is this concept of like debunking performance-based praise. So there have been all these studies that have come out where you do like a concentrated whatever. Study. Study. Mindset by Carol Dweck talks about this. It's really helpful. Where if all these, if 20 kids take a test and you praise them for like the number or the grade that they get at the end and they retake it, they'll actually do worse because they're so worried about keeping your praise and your pride and your acceptance and all of this stuff. So they want to like outdo that number instead of, okay, just hang on there for a second. The other 20 kids 
they take the test and instead of being praised for the number or the grade, they get praised for their effort. What happens? They retake the test and they all do better. And I think it's really fascinating because I was a very, very, very lucky and blessed professional child athlete in the sense that my coach and my parents never put praise or put weight on the performance, like the actual score, outcome, medal color. They could have cared less. Like my coach actually could have cared less. At the end of the day, he was like, this is a subjective sport. I don't care what score you get. I do not care what place on the podium you stand on. The only thing I care about is at the end of your performance, your competition, your practice, I want to know how hard you tried. And he learned me so well over the years that he could tell, but he would always ask me that question, like, how did you do today? And I'd be like, oh, it wasn't quite my best. Like, I would be able to be honest with him. He'd be like, you know what? I agree. Let's go back and work on it. But he was always still so proud. Or if I came in last place and I fell a million times, but I was like, coach, I tried really, really hard. Like I gave it my all. He would giggle. He'd be like, I'm so proud of you. I agree. There's nothing more that I could want. Will you tell the story of winning a gold medal? <laughs> Not, well, you tell the story. Yeah. Um, so the Olympic, at the Olympics, I go into the all around, which is like what my specialty was. I lay it out on lay lay it out lay it all out on the floor. Um, the competition's over. My coach asked me my question that he always asked me. How do you feel you did today? I was like, I left every ounce of my soul out there. And I remember he started crying. I started crying. He was so proud. He gave me a hug. And this is before the medal ceremony. And he's like, that was the most perfect performance we could have ever have asked for. You know. Mm -hmm. And I felt that way. I felt so proud. Fast forward, I get the silver medal. But in that moment, getting the silver medal, I still felt like I was on top of the world because I was proud. My coach was proud. I knew I had given it all. I fast forward. I go into like the media interviews and they're like, how does it feel to lose? What do you regret? What would you change? Which is like this. It, it shows the societal flaws of we value way too much the score and the medal. And people could care less about the effort, which is wild to me. And I was like, I did the best I could. I don't regret anything. Fast forward, the very last competition of the Olympics is the balance beam. I go up. I do my routine. I come down. By the time I get off the podium, the score is already in. And my coach and I are looking at the um, like placements. And it says number one. And we literally both start giggling. We, we start giggling to each other. My like adult coach. And he looks at me and he goes, well, how do you feel you did? As there's a number one next to my name at the Olympics. And I was like, you and I both know it wasn't my best. And it was just being able to like remove all of that pressure that us as parents and as coaches tried to project onto our children that they should succeed above anything else. It doesn't matter the effort. It just matters if you win is so toxic and for me to have been able to have been at the olympics knowing that i just won a gold medal and been able to laugh with my coach and say it wasn't our best i still to this day feel more proud of the silver medal and i think that story is important because your identity it's not about 
outcomes don't matter at all. No. It's separating outcomes from your identity, and your identity is more based in the effort. We're talking from a parent's perspective. It is super important to, to have your kid's identity be in what they actually can control, which is way more empowering. Because you can't, you can't control if you show up on game day and you're sick. Yeah. But you can control, hey, you show up on game day and you couldn't play because you were sick, but you were still a great teammate. But and that's important to instill in your kids. Put it at like a kid's age in a soccer match where they go out onto the soccer field and they're against an opponent that is a lot better than them and they pour their heart and soul out onto the field but in the you get in the car with them afterwards and you're like what could you have done better you know had it like you you lost today i feel like if we just go to practice and we work on like you know your position all that tells a kid is they didn't do enough to earn your love and your praise that day which is wild and we as parents, we get so consumed with this idea that my kid can be better. They can be the best in the world if I just push them a little bit. What you need to push them in is instilling confidence in them to want to go back out there and try harder next time. Which they have control over. Yes. And the, the way you do that is when your kid gets in the car after a match or a competition or a race, you say, I'm so proud of you for trying today or you could even do what my coach did how do you feel you did and then once they answer that be like what burger joint do you want to go to i'd love to take you to dairy queen what sounds so good to do right now like show them that their worth is not in their sport but yet you're proud of the effort that they put in and i promise you that kid's going to turn around and be like i actually want to go do that again yeah so you're actually like in the long game, you are, you're still, you know, playing this. It's not strategically saying, hey, I'm going to go ask my kid what he wants to eat after the match so that ultimately he loves baseball more and ultimately no. he'll become. It's just like as a parent, I think it's important to do, to be with your kid and do what they love and not try to superimpose or project your. Uh, your desires on them. I also want to clarify, Sean and I are not participation award uh, supporters. No. Because the honest feedback of, hey, if you gave your best effort and you had your best performance and you finished 10th, it's important to know that. Mm -hmm. You don't want to live in this delusional war no. world where as a parent you're saying, oh, well, they deserved first. And, you know, it's like, it's important to have honesty and say, okay, well, maybe maybe there is a cap, right? And it's, anyway. I think awards are properly placed at first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, however far you go out, right? But if you're in a competition with 400 kids and you come in 300th, no, you should not be giving your kid an award. You should be asking them that question of how do you feel you did? If they tried that hard and they gave it their all that day, be so proud of them. But say, if they're like, but mama, I want a trophy or whatever. It's like, okay, let's go back into the gym. Let's go back to practice and let's keep trying. But like, like Andrew said, painting this delusion that no matter what level of effort you give, you should be rewarded. 
I think is setting a false precedence for the rest of their life of you don't really have to try that hard to be rewarded. It prevents you from having insight into the things you need to work on, right? Yes. So, and to which you can apply the best effort that you can give. I think that's important. Um, I'm thinking about this Chariots of Fire quote that if you haven't seen the movie, it's like an old movie about an Olympic runner. And in it, he says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Mm -hmm. I think mission is successful as a parent if what you get your child involved with makes them feel that form of joy, makes them feel that form of worship, which again is super hard because you have to have an open line of communication. And I am so thankful looking back on my experience on youth sports because when I think of my youth, obviously it gets complicated like in the NFL. It's just not the pure, I don't feel like it's Mm -hmm. the purest form of sport. Um, It's more about the paycheck and it's more about the work but when I look back on my youth sports career, it's like I loved it, dude. I had posters on the wall. I, all I wanted to do was throw the ball with my cousins. That's what our conversations were about. That's what we collected. And I feel like when I was doing sports, I felt God's pleasure. I felt like I felt like when I was doing sports, I felt the presence of my father there, both physically because he was at the major, the vast majority of our games. He would film them all mm-hmm. from the media box. I felt his presence uh, and and support emotionally from my father. That is what I'm hoping to do with our children as well, is to create a sense of joy, gratitude, of purpose, which which does relate to there being hard times in the sport, right? Like it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, like middle school football. You're out there grinding. You had a tough game. It's like persevering. It's like there's, and that's where the purpose is from. Mm-hmm. It's, it's taking the difficulties and taking the joy and embracing that with gratitude and seeing that there is more to it than the outcome. There's more to it than how good I am or how, anyway. How would you say parents can encourage their kids to try different sports? So I think there's phases kind of, and it's like at at a young age, it's trying a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And then probably at, I don't know, age eight is the number that comes to mind. It's trying less things for a little longer period of time. And again, you're, you're increasing that experience with that sport based off of the previous smorgasbord of, Hey, I like this. I didn't like this. I like this. I didn't like this. I think a very easy thing parents you can do is. At every phase in life, do a Google search around you. What's offered at your kid's age? Write it all down or like save the websites or whatever. What's offered at your kid's school? What's offered? Just like compile a list and talk through it with your children. Show them YouTube videos of every sport. Show them highlight reels. And let's say we can only pick two or we can only pick one, or we can only pick four, or whatever, and make it this, like, exciting thing to try. You're not 
saying you need to commit to this for five years. You're saying, what do you want to try new? And see how that starts. And make that list based off stuff that also doesn't undermine your long-term goals as a family, right? So like, hey, we're not traveling every weekend, just Sean and our daughter and while Jet and I stay at home. Not every weekend. I'm saying sometimes that's... Yes. I think... I would put an asterisk there because that's assuming your kid falls in love with it, is good at it, and that's a requirement. Yeah. But... Yeah. Okay. Um, Hypothetically speaking, our kids, your kids, are in a sport they don't like and they want to quit. What are your parameters? Based off of your childhood and how you would raise our kids now. Um, evaluate the context that that situation is being brought up in. Um, ask why several times. Maybe they got bullied by a kid on the team or maybe maybe whatever happened. So I'm asking why. And then, like we've talked about, um, finishing the commitment that's been made and then filling that with some different activity. Okay. I will say almost identical to that. I'll give you real life examples of me and gymnastics. So gymnastics, the fulfilling a commitment thing was really hard because gymnastics is year long. There's no start to a season. There's no end to a season. It just continues forever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's no end. Um, Every time, and there were multiple times that I would get this feeling of like, I think I'm done with this sport. I think I'm done. I would go to my parents. I'd say, I want to quit. They would do exactly what Andrew said. They would say, okay. I will say that was always the most shocking thing to hear from a, like as a kid from a parent was saying, I want to quit. And my parents saying, okay. It was almost like a reality slap in the face of like, wow, I kind of expected pushback or I expected you to say I couldn't. But after okay, they would always say, why? What's going on? What's the reason? Is it a hard day, a hard week, a hard month, a hard phase? Are you not getting along with someone? Are you uncomfortable? Like, what What are the reasons? We would get through that conversation, and my parents and my coach would always do this thing where they'd be like, okay, if we got far enough down the road where my reasons made sense, where it was like my passion's not there, it's not just a hard day, it's not a hard phase, I'm not mad at my coach, whatever it is, it'd be like, let's take a week off. You can take next week off from gymnastics. And then after the week, we're going to have this conversation again. And the rule was if you went a month without your sport, you would basically erase it, get rid of it, and you would have to replace it. So within that month time frame, you had to do your research as a kid and present to your parents and your coach, like, what am I so excited to go try? Yeah. And my personal experience was I never made it the month. I never made it past a week, honestly, where I'd be like, oh, it must. It was actually just a hard phase. I want to go back. That's good. It makes me want to, like, give a script to hand the parents <laughs> and say, hey, follow this when your kid says this. I think it's harder, though, like you were saying, because if there's a season, it'd be like, okay, let's finish the season. Let's figure out what we're doing, whatever. But... um. You personally, Andrew, did you ever feel immense pressure playing sports or was it always fun? Um, not playing sports 
my dad has doing Boy Scouts, and there was there was always a rebellion that me and my brothers would try to inject. Whereas, like, we did not want to go mm-hmm. to Boy Scouts. Um, piano lessons was the same thing, and yeah, not not with sports though. I would say the only times that I felt, quote, immense pressure playing, doing gymnastics was when I would lose sight as a kid as to why I was in it. And the only thing I want to try to say there is I've witnessed this as a coach. When kids forget that it's their choice to be there, they stop having fun. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. So when kids start thinking they are there to earn your praise or earn your love or they're there to give you some sort of respect or whatever it is, to earn something, they stop having fun. And I think that's why every time I said I wanted to quit, my parents said, okay, it was like this immediate realization of, oh, they actually still love me if I don't do this, or they actually still, you know, this isn't for them. So I think the only time I felt immense pressure was when I forgot that it was my choice to be there. Let me answer that question in a different way too. Um, did I did I feel immense pressure playing sports myself? Yes, but it was internal from me because I took it so seriously. Like yeah. even in middle school, it was like I got to play NFL football, so I. I want to, like, it was my goal. Yeah, which is amazing. It's amazing that you put that pressure on yourself. That's great, I think. Because that means you personally care about your sport. Yeah. But toxic pressure is when you're doing it for someone else. Yeah. Um, I also want to add to this. This is something I've seen a lot. This is a reality check and a tip for us as well, but for all you parents out there, I need you guys to be very, very careful how you speak about your kids in front of them and to other people in front of them. If you say, my kid is going to the major leagues in baseball and he's eight years old and that is your pride and joy. You're so excited to brag to everybody around you that my kid is so good. They're going to do X, Y, and Z, or they're going to make it here, or they're going to win. Understand that your kid is digesting all of that and they're setting that as their expectation for your approval. That's Mm -hmm. like their standard. And I've seen this countless times where parents will walk around and say, my kid's going to the Olympics. And what you're basically telling your kid is if if they don't reach the Olympics, they have not earned your respect or your approval. And that is very damaging to a kid. Meet them where they're at. Celebrate their dreams, but do not put the cart before the horse and put standards on your kid, like, unknowingly. I think it's also important to have the self-awareness as a parent. Um, We had this happen this weekend where maybe one of your kids has an interest that is more in line with your personal interests. It's probably going to be easier and more exciting for you as a parent Mm -hmm. to praise that than if another child has a completely different interest that you don't necessarily share to praise that in the same way. So mm-hmm. it's like, but you need to praise both, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be really difficult. So just always reflect and have the self-awareness on that. 
What do you think are some of the benefits that youth sports give children? Oh my gosh. One, they're a blast. They're fun. They're, they can be so much fun. Um, Discipline. Yeah. The teamwork that we talked about. Yeah. The commitment. The body awareness. Yeah, you're learning so much. Activity. Mental health. Physical health. Yeah. Argue with all those things. How to listen to a coach. How to... Goal set, incremental progress. Um, How to deal with failure. Perseverance. Yeah. It's great. It's the best. It's the best. Okay. And last thing, Andrew. When will we sign our kids up for sports and how will we decide which ones to try? I'm excited to listen to this in like 10 years. I and know. And see how true to this we were. Um, we already have our kids in some sports, right? Yeah. And they're trying out, I guess they've each tried out like three or so sports mm-hmm. before they were four. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty apparent what sports they're drawn to yeah. and what they're not already. Yeah. yeah. Our two-year-old is really interested in biking. We have to... You okay? I don't know. And not that interested in soccer nope. necessarily. He seems to be super interested in physical type stuff. So like football seems like he might get excited about because he likes to tackle and run. Um, he likes baseball. Drew likes soccer. She likes to throw. She likes to catch. I think how we will de- how we decide what we'll sign our kids up for, especially at this age where we can't really have like open dialogue. They don't understand all the different opportunities out there. Is I think it's our job as parents to really like take notes on the things that they love. And make sure we're not projecting our own hobbies and our own interests onto our children. So it would be so easy for me to be like, yeah, our kids are going to like do gymnastics. But that's my interest. That might not be theirs. We've picked up with our daughter. She's obsessed with science. Like obsessed. (laughs) And she loves a trampoline. So I found a gymnastics class because it made sense for her interest that she was showing. And then... We're looking at like STEM programs that she can go do where she can go be in a science lab and see if that sparks something. Our son is terrifyingly in love with bikes way more than soccer balls. So now it's our job to go research. Are there motocross or I, this is a new world for me. So I don't know what we do with bikes here, but it's now our job as parents to go research that and see if there's something that we can offer him. And that can either feel like a drag and like a lot of work or we could reframe it and be like, oh, wow, this is a fun adventure. We get to learn about this. Too. Yeah. Um, which I'm pumped about. All right. Did you have to. So Sean also is the only child. I'm the middle of five kids, which I think is also different when it comes to like travel sports. You traveled for sports growing up quite a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I did. We didn't really have rules around it. Um, when you travel for gymnastics, especially at a recreational level, you're probably traveling five times a year. Um, so it wasn't a lot. You weren't going to like travel, you know, games every weekend in gymnastics there. It's you compete like seven times a year. That's it. Um, but we always traveled as a family. We always stayed together as a family and 
that was kind of like our, our thing. But yeah, that was our boundaries. What about you? We, I'm so glad for this, that Indiana was not like a, a fall football and a spring football type of state. Travel baseball was a big thing in Indiana. Travel basketball was a big thing in Indiana. But we, I, I guess maybe it's because we weren't as good in those sports as we were in football. We never did that. So it was always one season. Each season has a different sport. And the summers, we were just kids. Mm -hmm. So it was like spring, we played baseball. Fall, we played football. Winter, we played basketball. Summer, we were kids. And I feel like that is super healthy. And it wasn't like undermining or, or fractionalizing our family um, where we'd all be everywhere each weekend in the summer or we'd get too overwhelmed with doing one sport too often over the course of 12 months. It was like a high degree of variety um, and a high degree of unity. We were, we were often all on similar teams, mm -hmm. like practicing at the same facility area or literally on the same team mm -hmm. and so it was like it was a unifying thing i think there are so many questions around this topic of like is are we going to allow our kids to be in travel sports what what are the boundaries you set i honestly don't think there's anything black and white here i think you have to make decisions as a family in the moment if a travel sport is going to take your kid one of your kids of four or your, all your kids in separate directions over a holiday, that needs to be a family conversation. But I think you need to make sure that my parents and my coach were always very aware of balance of making sure we balanced being a kid with being an athlete. And I would say the only kind of transferable parallel here in gymnastics is, um, in the summer, I was given the opportunity, <clears throat> or not me personally, there is an opportunity for gymnasts to go travel the country to gymnastics camps. And you could do like overnight camps and you could do all these things. And my coach's rule was you get enough gymnastics in the gym, your summer should be spent being a kid. So you can come in for practice, but you're not going to go now to a summer camp and go do more gymnastics because you're obsessing over something too small like you need to go be with your friends and go to the lake and go to the mall and go like be a kid and also cross training <clears throat> is good cross training is amazing the more eye hand coordination i learn in baseball the more i can apply that hand coordination in football and the more footwork i learn in basketball the better football player I and will it's be. also like distance makes the heart grow fonder like keeping it always at a level where your kid wants more is a good thing Especially at a young age, your kid shouldn't be burnt out. Yes. Um, <clears throat> on the issue of holidays, I'll never, I mean, I'm super thankful that even when I was playing Division One SEC football at Vanderbilt, even my senior year when we had to stay there for Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. as opposed to being at home with my family on Thanksgiving, I was sad mm -hmm. because my norm was <clears throat> family was a priority and not sport. And I can't imagine that flipped. Like if, oh yeah, just another Thanksgiving away from family. That was not the status quo. The last, the last question I want to talk about is how do you think traveling for youth sports or youth sports has changed over the years? And I, I think it's this. When I was 
I'm so thankful for the time mm-hmm. in which we were being raised to and playing sports because online recruiting and, and like highlight tapes online and exposure was just becoming a thing. We had like rivals.com and that was like my sophomore year. Now it's you hear stories about people getting offered Division One scholarships as a freshman mm-hmm. or, you know, getting letters in middle school. And I think the effect of that has been trickled down where people are like, all right, we need more travel sports. We need to do more sports in general. We need to have more exposure, more of these big tournaments. And I think that has it's all kind of uh hit earlier in people's lives. And then you got, you know, these prodigies six-year-olds that are Instagram famous and the bottom line is like there are a lot of people making a lot of money off of this so the new travel baseball team that just started you're probably going to pay what was the average 883 dollars for and I'm not saying it's a massive profit for that coach or that league but be aware of that and and know that hey if your kid got was good enough to get that invitation to play on the travel sports that's not going to really go away like they're they going to be good enough talent. to be scouted somewhere else where they're having fun. Yeah, they have that talent. It's <clears> not <throat> and they're going to play this card of well, you know, if you don't if you don't join this no. league, then maybe they won't join this card. Maybe you won't be exposed to that league or the Little League World Championships here and it's like that's not the most important thing. Mm-mm. It's not. It's not. I think adding to what Andrew's saying, it's becoming more and more this toxic culture at younger and younger ages with these programs where they're like oh your kid just turned five he's way behind no he's not it's that that's not how it works that's not how talent works that's not how effort works that's not how passions work your kid can start at any age and still have just as good a shot as anybody now if you're looking for good programs if you're looking for good coaches my best advice I can give you is, yeah, you can probably Google the most successful coaches in any sport in the country, but those aren't necessary at a young age. They're not. And the way that we find coaches for our kids is who's going to foster fun in an activity while still teaching. That's all we care about. Check this out. Your kid will either be talented enough that you'll know that (laughs) they have Olympic capability and they will be that genetic and that, uh, that's very scary to say, babe, because I've encountered so many people who think they know and they don't. And I think that's just from our professions. So take that with a grain of salt or, or your kid will have a degree of talent, but need to supplement that talent with hard work. And just know that that hard work needs to come from the kid and not from you. It can't come elsewhere. So either way, this is where my parenting philosophy of do less applies, where it's like, don't you as a parent, you're not going to be able to force an Olympic career on your child. You're not. Because either they don't have the talent or you're going to make that hard work uh, obligation instead of a passion. Or in a very wild change events you might force the like follow me on this you might actually succeed and force your child into a professional career where they find themselves at the olympics but you know what's going to happen is they're either going to they're like going to finish the olympics and 
hate it. They're going to hate their career. They're going to resent you. And they're not going to be healthy individuals, which nothing good comes from comes from that. Sean and I's goal as parents are is to have really healthy, good, close relationships with our children when they are adults. If you know me, you know I love high-quality clothes and occasionally a luxury item here or there, but I hate spending luxury prices, so I rarely buy anything really nice for myself. That was until I discovered Quince. They have so much good stuff for you guys. Quince offers a range of high-quality items at prices within reach. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $50, washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part is that everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Love that. It's also really important to me that the clothes I wear are created in a safe environment. And Quince only works with factories that use ethical and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So obviously, I really love that. I bought a Mongolian cashmere sweater from Quince. And no joke, I have worn it once a week, all fall and winter long. It's so soft premium quality and looks like I spent a fortune on it, but it was only 50 bucks. I've told all of my friends about Quint. I also love their men's line and have gotten some nice activewear and performance tees for Ander that he loves. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eastfam to get free shipping and a 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Eastfam. In closing, the YMCA uh, had a few ways to be healthy when it comes to youth sports parents that I wanted to go over, and then we'll close. The first is realize that winning isn't the only goal. We talked about that. The second is keep your comments positive. Don't badmouth coaches, players, or game officials. We're talking about youth sports. Third is don't dwell on who won or lost. Instead of asking your child, how did you feel during the game? Uh, offer to work on that thing together before the next game. And if they say no, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Next, be knowledgeable about the game. Get involved with what your kid is involved with. This is what you're saying. Like, make sure it's not your passion. Make sure it's your kid's passion. And whatever your kid is, learn about it. That's right. Celebrate it for them. Next is have good sportsmanship. Show courteous behavior towards the parents of kids on the other team. Those are some of my least favorite clips online. When you see parents at youth sports events just losing it. Are you kidding me? I'm that adding, is immature. I'm adding something here. Your role, if your role is to be a parent at a game, whatever sport it is, where you are not the coach on the field, then stay within your boundaries and your your box and make sure you are nothing but a parent. Do not coach from the sidelines. Do not scream at other kids. Do not yell at the ref. Don't do that. Be a supportive cheerleader to everybody. Shame on you, parents. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Next is find good role models for your kids mm-hmm. in whatever area they are involved with. If they're in the rock climbing, find the best example of a good role model in rock climbing there. And last, remember that it's your kids and not you who are playing. 
no matter how much resentment you carry in your life, don't expose your kids to that. What a topic, babe. I have one more question. I've been reading through all these questions that you guys submitted on Instagram. We've basically covered all of it, but there is one. When or if to put your kids into a sport you think they'd be good at, but they don't want to play? Answer on three. Ready? One, two, three. Never. Never. That's, again, you have to... You have to check yourself at the door as a parent and be like, is this for me or is this for them? If they don't want to play the sport that you think they'd be good at, that has nothing to do with them and everything to do with you. I mean, my only caveat to that would maybe be like, oh, if it's baseball, don't sign them up for a baseball team. Take them in the backyard and like expose them to that in the lightest form possible or turn on a baseball game. And like practice, you know, air swinging a baseball bat. And if they're like, oh, that's fun, then maybe you take the next step. But it it goes in increments, I think. But it also comes down to this. It's not important for your kid to do something that they're good at. It's not. It's important that they do something that they love. If there are two things on the table, if they're doing two sports, one they're miserable at, but they love and one they're really good at naturally, but they don't like. Let them do what they love. I actually disagree with you on this. I think you need to find in good to great. The author Jim Collins talks about this hedgehog concept, the overlap of the thing that they love. I agree with you on that, but it also needs to be something that they're good at. And also something that like, you know, can help others, whether that's in the team situation or you're creating, you know, as an adult, like a product, what is the overlap there? I think it's important to not live in a delusion where it's like, oh, I love it, but you're trash at it. No, I, you know what I'm saying? I know, but <laughs> if a kid walks into a sport, say they walk into a baseball practice and they're just naturally good on their first day, but they're like, meh, I don't love that. But they walk into a basketball practice and they're not good on their first day, but they're like, dang, that was fun. A hundred percent foster basketball because if they have if they have a drive to overcome a difference in ability, that is going to take them farther in life than any. I'm just naturally good at it. We'll take them. Yeah. I guess we could splice hairs about this all day, but it's like if they're great at baseball then there's a correlation of maybe an indication of some athletic well they might come around but i i really think finding something at a young age a kid loves is far more important yes (laughs) you need to find what your kid loves what a topic what a topic let us know if you have any questions if you have any feedback um our kids are young so we're just navigating this for ourselves for the first time and maybe you have a different experience but i want to answer one more question okay sorry the most common question we receive is are we going to put our kids into football or gymnastics you ask this daily to us and i'll answer with this i was fortunate enough to win an olympic gold medal highest level i reached the highest level of my sport 
with everything that I have learned about sport when it comes to putting my kids into gymnastics, I will not be go I I won't go searching the country for the best coach. We're not going to move back to Iowa when our kids start gymnastics just to be coached by Chow. Maybe 15 years down the road, if our daughter is so invested in gymnastics and is showing some sort of talent that like we could take it to that step, it might might be a conversation. But I say that because we aren't sourcing coaches. So there's no need for you to. I'm excited for the feedback on this. Oh Let gosh. us know. Uh, also, if you made it this far, follow the show, subscribe to it on whatever platform. Give it a rating. Um, and we love your feedback. So we love honest feedback, just like we talked about. Give it to us. <laughs> That's all we have. I'm Andrew. I'm Sean. And we're the East Fam. <laughs>